I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning and welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to my political island here. <laughs> oh, trust me, it's, it's great. There's lots of room to move around. It's not, not at all crowded on the Mike Madison political island. All the, all the people are super friendly. You know, a, a lot of people who've heard only one or two shows might think I'm, I'm part of some team. Republicans and conservatives who hear my criticisms of Trump think I'm, I'm with the lunatic left, or if I am just appalled by what's going on to the people of Gaza right now, they just assume that I'm one of the lefties out there blocking traffic. <laughs> and Democrats here hear my anti-government arguments and assume I'm just some radical right-winger. And it's really very funny because I'm neither. I think both of your sides got us here. I'm an individual, the true minority, the true unrecognized minority in this country is the individual. And it's very funny because when I, when I get into these things, you know, when you, when you criticize somebody, you're lumped in with everybody else who criticizes them. You must be a blank. But it's, if you listen to this show for any period of time, you'll realize my criticisms of both sides on this show are different than what the other side criticizes each side for. It's kind of interesting. You know, most of the left's criticisms of Donald Trump, I think, are absolutely absurd and ridiculous. But I have, a, I have entirely uh, different issues. And same thing for the left in many cases, although I do share some of the same criticisms the right has for the left. They've lost their collective minds. And by collective, I'm using that term uh, purposefully. So anyway, it's, uh, it, it's a lonely spot to be in, as particularly for a campaign year, for an election year in 2024. I heard a story earlier today uh, on, on the news, actually yesterday, I heard on the news that PETA, those that people for the ethical treatment of animals, and I'm a huge animal lover, but we know PETA takes a great idea and turns it into wackadoodle. PETA was saying that they were uh, protesting. They want to change out Puxatawney Phil, the groundhog that comes out and makes, I think, horrible predictions. <laughs> I think Puxatawney Phil, as far as Groundhog Day goes, I, I don't know if they ever get it right, but they're very concerned about Puxatawney Phil being uh, exploited. So they want to swap it out for a coin. Or you just flip heads or flip tails. Now, I don't know how Puxatawney Phil is treated. I would imagine it's probably one of the most pampered uh, groundhogs in the history of mankind, so I don't share PETA's enthusiasm for doing it. But I am sympathetic to Groundhog Day, and here's why I say that. I've got a great supercut here. We're heading into an election year, 
And by all accounts, this is the most important election of our lifetimes. Most important election in the history of our country. There are just eight days left in what is the most important election of our lifetime. I, I truly believe this is the most important election uh, of our lifetime. This election is the most important election in our lifetimes no matter what generation you come from. 2008 is the most important election in our lifetime. This is the most important election you've ever voted in your entire life. My fellow Americans, this is the most important election of our lifetime. All these choices make this one of the most important elections in our history. In what will be, I am convinced, uh, one of the most important elections we're likely to see for the next 50 years. 1996, in my opinion, is going to be the most important election of our lifetimes. Is the single most important election in our lifetimes. This is the most important election in history. This is the most important election in this nation in 50 years. The most important of all choices will be made by the American people at the polls less than three months from tonight. Asking the American people to make one of the most important decisions in their lifetime because I think this election is one of the most vital in the history of America. This time, vote like your whole world depended on. <laughs> so this is talk about Groundhog Day. Oh, my gosh. They really get us stirred up, don't they? Now, I got to tell you, maybe it's accurate. You know, we know that they do this because they want to fire everybody up, right? But basically what that tells me, and those clips go back to 1968. That's basically every election cycle since 1968. They've come out and told you this is the most important election of your... Basically what it comes down to is you screwed it up so bad for the last four or eight years that the stakes are even higher now. And now that is an uninterrupted cycle. We keep electing the worst people that make things worse than they were four or eight years ago so the importance of an election becomes more and more every single time. So I don't know if it's necessarily a lie, but the problem is, I mean, come on. What is that, 1968? So we're looking at uh, about 50-something years, 55, 56 years we've been doing this. You would really think that uh, if it was this important, maybe we'd actually try something different for a change. There was an interesting poll that somebody had put out this was actually a, a Twitter account called Being Libertarian. But it's not a libertarian post, really. I think this is something you'll probably see at many places. It said, what is the most important issue for the 2024 election? And here were their choices. Inflation, foreign policy, immigration, or jobs. Now, I find this interesting. And everybody, I, I don't know, I don't participate in these polls, but they'll get a result Everybody's got their thing. I would imagine on the right, immigration is the big one. I would say on the left, maybe inflation uh, is the big one. The jobs will be the one for people who don't have jobs right now. Uh, the interesting thing is, I believe you could make one big sweeping motion and take care of all four of those things. If you got rid of the Federal Reserve and the IRS and the income tax, you'd fix everything. The Federal Reserve is responsible for the inflation. Well, and the politicians who spend money that the Fed covers, essentially. The Fed prints up money to give the parasites everything that they want so they can flush a bunch of money into the economy and it causes prices to rise. 
So the Federal Reserve is responsible for inflation. Getting rid of that, check. We're done. Inflation is over. There were periods during the 1800s where prices fell, actually, from generation to generation. And since the creation of the Federal Reserve in 1913, I think we've lost 98% of the value of a dollar. So get rid of the Fed, and inflation takes care of itself. Foreign policy. For the people like myself who were sick of the adventurism of the empire, of the endless good-for-nothing wars except for the profit for the politically connected, you cannot fund these wars without two things, the Federal Reserve and the IRS and the income tax. If you wanted to fight a war and you couldn't print up money and you couldn't hold up people for their cash, you haven't got any money to fight these wars. What would even be better is if there was no income tax, but the, the government would come to you and say, hey, look, we're not happy with Russia moving into Ukraine. We want everybody to chip in. So we're going to come out and we're going to start taking 10% of your paychecks. Just imagine a scenario where they don't actually take your paycheck for all their harebrained schemes every single week. Say, we're going to need to charge you all 10%. How long do you think that war lasts? Do you think you get a 20-year, $9 trillion war on terror if the American people are having to actually pull out of their pockets for just that one thing? No, it wouldn't happen. Get rid of the Federal Reserve. Get rid of the income tax. Your foreign policy takes care of itself. Immigration. How are they paying all of these benefits, the endless welfare, the endless spending on public education and other services, the I just saw something that last year, I think they spent something like 20 or $40 billion on services for new immigrants. Where do you think that money came from? came from the Federal Reserve, from printed up money or money collected from American citizens. They cannot run these giant, what, what would I call it? You know, I always say, if, if you don't want moths getting on the porch, turn out the light. Basically, our welfare system is the light that attracts people to cross the border and come here and park themselves on some benefits. They wouldn't be able to fund that. Immigration would pretty much take care of itself pretty quickly. And ditto for jobs. Can you even imagine what would go on in this economy if there was not an income tax and the Federal Reserve and suddenly we had about two and a half trillion extra dollars in our own pockets to spend? Can you imagine the economic activity that would take place, the jobs that would be created as everybody seeks to spend 100% of their paychecks? So if, you're, if your issue is inflation or foreign policy or immigration or jobs or basically anything else, uh, we need to destroy the Death Star uh, and its minion officers uh, at the IRS. That is the Federal Reserve, the IRS, and the individual income tax. See, it's not, this is not difficult stuff. It's really strange that nobody's talking about it. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a video yesterday on Twitter. There were two guys doing a synchronized slinky routine. They had, a, I guess it was like a, a neon pink or a neon yellow slinky. It was two guys, and they did all kind of these slinky stunts, which I've never seen before, but they did it uh, synchronized. It was really pretty amazing. It was kind of, kind of nice to watch. I mean, it was interesting. They put some time into this, and, you know, I was I started, as I'm watching this, this is inside the mind of Mike Madison. I was thinking, I would prefer that everybody in government be tasked with learning slinky, synchronized routines as opposed to whatever they are doing in their office right now. Because everything that they're doing right now is dangerous and makes all of our lives harder. If we could just, you know, put, put the, the DMV has to compete with 
the, the people who issue hunting and fishing licenses. And all they do every day for eight hours a day, let's just assume we cannot fire them all because apparently we can't. We keep growing. The largest jobs growth that we've seen in the past year, two years, has been government employees while private sector people are losing jobs. But if we can't fire them, let's just have these, these competitions between departments. This is all they do. <laughs> you, you would call that a waste of taxpayer dollars. I'd agree with you. But at least they wouldn't be doing the bad things that government employees do uh, on a regular basis. Just big slinky teams. DMV versus Department of Wildlife and Fishery. Every agency could spend its entire year just perfecting this one slinky stunt. Synchronized slinky stunts. (laughs) I would prefer that uh, to what our government actually does on a daily basis. And uh, one sad thing yesterday. Uh, Uga 10, this is the bulldog mascot for the Georgia Bulldogs. I spent two years at the University of Georgia. I didn't make a huge impact academically there, but I put a dent in the social world <laughs> in Athens, Georgia. So I do, uh, I do have a fondness for, for Uga over there at University of Georgia, but he died yesterday or two days ago. It's very, very sad. It's sad when any dog dies. They're such treasures. We don't deserve them, but... I couldn't help again when I see this story inside the mind of Mike Madison. I just think to myself, Ugga. He was only, might have only been 10 or 12 years old. Didn't seem very long, but I know these bulldogs don't live long. But in his short life, Ugga did more good and brought more joy to the American people than any president or politician probably in my lifetime. And it's not even close. So rest in peace, Ugga. When I come back, there's more good news. I'm telling you, I spent time on this yesterday. Globalism is failing. It is failing in front of us. Again, they're going to be backed into a corner. They're not going to just give up and go, oh, look at that. The people don't like us anymore. I think they thought maybe at one point we did respect them. And I would imagine we we just ignored them enough to give them that impression. But uh, things are, are, are turning in this country. And as uh, doom and gloom and as... Aggravated as I can be, I think it's important to focus on some of the good things. I'll have some more good news when we come back. Stick around. Stop me So the list of people that are joining the fight against the World Economic Forum and the globalist push to control every nook and cranny of our lives is expanding. Yesterday, I saw that my beloved Scottish farmers, the Scottish farmers have joined the French and the German and the Dutch farmers uh, in their protest now. Scotland, a long history of fighting. Uh, This is the place of William Wallace and Braveheart. And they've really turned, like much of the European Union, uh, into some real patsies over there for a long period of time. But Scotland is now stepping up. Their farmers have joined uh, the protests. I hope that they will take the page from these other farmers and spray manure all over the government buildings. It's one of my favorite things in the world to see. So that's also more good news. This is spreading, and I would imagine uh, likelihood that it will come here to the United States as well the more they try to control uh, our food supply. 
I also failed to mention yesterday. Now, I really bashed the Supreme Court here yesterday because I'm just not a fan of nine people, nine political appointees in robes, lording decisions over all of us that we're forced to live under. If they were very exceptional people who were properly uh, interpreting the Constitution or applying the Constitution to everything, look, if they had been doing that, our government would not be the size it is. So obviously, for decades and decades and decades, they have been allowing unconstitutional things to take place. So I'm no big fan of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court of Canada did, did stumble into one good ruling. They have, uh, they have ruled that Trudeau's emergency measures around the trucker strike, they ruled them unconstitutional in Canada. Again, I'm, I'm not a fan of, I'm sure I'm not a fan of the Supreme Court in Canada when I look at what's happened to it. Uh, over the past several decades as well. But uh, it's it's great. It always takes too long. The court system always churns slowly. But it is nice to see Trudeau take a loss up there. I would prefer, <laughs> I would prefer that the truckers and the people of Canada had just hauled Trudeau out of his cushy lair and tarred and feathered him in the streets the minute he mentioned starting to steal people's money from their accounts. But I guess this is also a win when we look at it. And finally, in the good news section of today's show, the U.S. media. Oh, the poor U.S. media. They are laying off huge numbers of employees. I saw that Sports Illustrated, is this correct? They laid off all of their employees. Is Sports Illustrated not going to be a thing anymore? Or is it going to be just an AI publication? Or I'm not sure. I didn't follow the story. Now, this is the Sports Illustrated that has been putting trans dudes and morbidly obese women in their swimsuit issue of recently. I mean, this, this, I grew up with the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue being something that guys just couldn't wait to see. This was, of course, before the Internet. But what they've done to Sports Illustrated, and we know all the virtue signaling that comes out of sports ball at the establishment level these days anyway, Sports Illustrated laid off all of its employees. The LA Times, I believe, is now cutting 20% of their staff. And this has happened across many, many of the media outlets, Washington Post, New York Times. They are all suffering. Now, I'm afraid they're about to be saved. Because we know there's one thing that's good for mainstream media. You know, MSNBC and CNN can't rustle up a few hundred thousand viewers in a regular year. But when Trump is a nominee and the Trump stories are flying, they never did better than they did during the four years of Donald Trump. And their ratings started to die as soon as Biden got in office. So I'm afraid Trump may be inadvertently riding to the rescue of mainstream media. But the bottom line is it is dying. And I don't don't ever want to celebrate people losing their jobs, but these are the people who work for organizations that cheered basically demanded that people be thrown out of work for refusing an experimental Operation Warp Speed gene therapy that was harming people. Anytime a coal mine is put out of business, these mainstream media people, they they absolutely love it when the coal miners are out of work. What did they tell them? Go learn to code? Well, that's being thrown back at the mainstream media. And I'll tell you, they can dish it out. They are not taking it well. They just are incent. They clutching pearls. They can't imagine people celebrating, people losing their jobs, even though for years now they have been supporting this cancel culture and people to be fired for all host of politically incorrect reasons. Anyway, uh, 
Well, we've had a day now. I've, we have seen the results. So Donald Trump won New Hampshire. Yippee. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, look, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't even want to talk about Trump because I know, number one, it alienates some people. This is hardcore Trump country. I can't show my face in the studio. Thank God I'm recording from the road. I think it's the only thing keeping me safe <laughs> because I am, again, out on my political island when it comes to Donald Trump. But he is going to be the nominee for the Republican Party, and I believe your next president of the United States. So he's fair game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about him. I've got a couple of clips from yesterday. Now, I, and l- let me say this, too, before anybody starts to get angry. They may have already tuned out. But I do hope that Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley got beat. Apparently 70% of the people who voted for her were not even registered Republicans. She's drawing from the the Democrat side. You'll hear enough about that on conservative media. I'm not going to rehash it. But I will say, I don't want Nikki Haley to drop out before South Carolina. Nothing would make me happier than to see Nikki Haley really embarrassed in her home state. From what I've seen, Trump is leading her bigly bigly in South Carolina, where she was the governor. You know, after fighting years of oppression as a brown girl, she tells us. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So I I am hoping that Nikki Haley at least stays in through South Carolina and gets spanked and embarrassed in the process. That will be absolutely fantastic. I'll tell you what, I'll take a quick break and I'll come back. I've got a couple of clips from the campaign trail uh, from New Hampshire over the last couple of days. Stick around. We'll do that when I come back. We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. If you want to reach me, because I look, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be easy on Donald Trump. I'm not, I'm I'm a freedom lover, and I think his his final year in office was a, an absolute train wreck. We'll probably talk about a little bit more about that in just a second. But so I'm. A, I'm a commentator on this stuff. Now, if anybody finds anything that I tell you that's factually not true, you can let me know. Now, if I hurt your feelings because your emotions are invested in something, uh, you can save me that. But if I get any facts about Donald Trump wrong, then you can certainly let me know. I think I'm pretty factually based on this show. Anyway, it looks like everybody is going to get up behind Donald Trump as expected. And and I'll tell you, I I think this is a con job. Not not Donald Trump himself, but I think the powers that be want Donald Trump. Look, Donald Trump was an he was almost an afterthought until the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And they know with every indictment, every raid, every charge, every attack, he gets more powerful. And for some reason they keep doing it. I just find it hard to believe that's an accident. Anyway, there were a couple of clips from his campaign stop before the vote on Monday, and uh I'm going to be interested to see if anybody catches on to my point after this clip uh, before I actually get to it. Here we go. On day one, I will terminate every single open border policy that crooked Joe Biden and his administration have put onto our country. All right. Now, let me just tell you right now, Donald Trump is needed for the border. 
He's better on the border. He's not as good as he told you he was during his four years, but he is so markedly better uh, on the border issue than Joe Biden. That's a big thing if you get a Trump presidency and see some level of enforcement. Speaking of that, just as an aside, man, am I proud of Texas. Texas not only, I mean, it took them forever. I don't know what they were waiting on. But they finally sent their own National Guard down to their own border. But the Supreme Court ruled they couldn't do it. The Biden administration has sued them. Then the Supreme Court came out and said they can't do what they're doing because of Coney Barrett. You know, Coney Barrett, this is Amy Coney Barrett, one of Trump's appointees. Was this not a question that he asked her when he was vetting her for Supreme Court justice? Did he not ask her any questions about states enforcing their own border rules? Seems like kind of a big oversight that he didn't know where she might be on that particular issue. One of Trump's cornerstone issues you would think would have come up in the vetting process at some point. But anyway, Texas has just decided to double down what I saw was. And, you know, I, I am so suspicious always that I'm getting pro- propaganda. You know, Greg Abbott in Texas is just as prone to do some kind of a political stunt that doesn't really mean anything as any other politician. But what it looked like was after the Supreme Court ruling came down and told him, basically, you got to take down your razor wire that you've put up on your border. uh, Texas was installing more. It appears that Texas is telling the the Supreme Court, we really don't care what you say. This is our state. We're going to take care of it regardless. And this is what we need. We do not need to wait for permission from the Supreme Court, for legislation from our Congress. States and citizens just need to act. This this is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen because really, you know, in my life, I'll hear Joe Biden say he's going to do this or do that. And I mean, in my mind, I'm like, well, that's just not going to apply to me. I, I just don't, I don't recognize their authority because these people have no, there's no mandate from God. My understanding of being born and a citizen of this country is I'm a free human being. So I don't hang on the words of all of these people. I just think, well, you know, it's not that I have to, don't have to suffer the consequences because everybody else goes along with it. So it affects the products I can buy and the things that I can do. But it is time we just start looking at these people and going, no, it's such a beautiful word. You know, if some car manufacturer, if if Joe Biden comes out and says every car has to be electric by 2035, I would love for GM to just go, no, no, we're not doing that. I mean, because ultimately, if people just said no, there's 330 million of us, a lot of no's, and and they just, it would be great. You've seen parents who just cannot parent a child. (laughs) They just, they are just flailing around trying to control the child. The child's just not listening, and eventually they just... They just give up. Oh, what are you going to do? Now, that's a weak parent, and you've raised a child that that you should be able to get control of, but we've all seen it. Or a boss that just, you know, or a coach that just cannot control his team. This is the the way we need to act. I'm not saying we need to go buck wild. We just need to look at these people and go, no, we're not doing that. Boy, that's a dumb idea. No, I'm just not doing that. States should do that. Companies should do that. Small businesses should do that. Individuals should do that. They should just look at these regulations and go, no, I'm just not doing it. Because if everybody said no, there's not enough jail space. As many people as they've got out there enforcing these rules, as much many bureaucrats as they've got out there, they can't process 300 million Americans that just finally go, no, we're not, we're not doing that one. 
Anyway, long digression. Here's Donald Trump. So he's better on the border. I will certainly give him that 100%. And then he says this that I found interesting. To stop the deadly drugs that are poisoning our people, I will deploy U.S. Navy to impose a full fentanyl blockade on the waters and the region where they're coming in through certain channels. They're coming overland. They're coming any way they want to come. 12 times more than came in four years ago. 12 times more. Drugs are pouring in. And by the way, you have a, two very bad distinctions. You're the highest energy per capita. You're the highest, by far, energy anywhere in the country, number one. And also, you're the worst in terms of drugs pouring in. You have more drugs in New Hampshire per capita than any other state by far. Where is your governor? Where is your governor? Now, we know he says, where is your governor? Because the governor backed, I think, backed uh, Nikki Haley. But I've got a few questions about this because I find it kind of interesting. First of all, first of all, of course, um, you really think our military, they've got certain routes. Is this what we need to do? We need to spend how much money on our military to do fentanyl blockades. I think that's what he called them, isn't it? I mean, it's the last 50 years of DEA and FBI and local PD and sheriff's offices and uh, all of the, the flights, the, the undercover operations. I mean, everything that we've gone through in this war on drugs, you, you really feel like maybe that's what we need to dedicate our Navy to now is the fentanyl crisis. Think that's going to work? They know the routes. Gee, I don't know. Do you think they might, uh, I don't know, you think the cartels or the drug... Uh, Distributors might, uh, I don't know, change the routes, maybe. Or let's just say this was wildly effective. We just really committed the Navy. We just spent trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, finally got a hold of fentanyl. How long do you, take, you think it takes to have another product out there that's just as deadly, just as damaging? About a week? I mean, it's, pro- it's probably already out there now. They'll just say, oh, you're cracking down on the fentanyl? Okay, here's what we got. Well, they got, they got Trank now. I mean, this is just another one of these ridiculous policies. That's just Trump going in front of a state that has been ravaged by fentanyl. That's true. But it's just a drug war, double down. Now we're getting the military involved. It's, it's just another one of these things. It's, just, it's never going to work. And as I say, even if it worked, there would just be another product coming from somewhere else. You can't keep drugs out of a prison. You're not keeping them out of the United States. But here's my big question about that. And this is where I'll see if anybody can, can beat me to my point here. Just because somebody makes and distributes fentanyl, is that really bad? I mean, they aren't forcing anybody to take it, right? I mean, that, that has been, uh, to my knowledge, the Trump supporter view on a deadly product, right? As long as they don't mandate that something deadly is taken by people, we should just ignore who distributes it and just say, well, it's no really, no big deal, right? Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down here? (laughs) Donald Trump rushed through an experimental genetic therapy, which he still says is the greatest ever. And his supporters who know correctly that it is actually a deadly and dangerous drug Give him a pass because, why? Anyone? Anyone? Because he didn't force you to take it. So if people are manufacturing fentanyl, 
and they're sending it into the United States, but they're not forcing anybody to take it, then what's, what's the big out, outcry? And I would imagine that the genetic experiments uh, that are being pushed by our big pharmaceutical companies that Donald Trump pushed through with no safety testing whatsoever are killing more people than fentanyl. But everybody gives Donald Trump a pass because he'd never forced anybody to take it. So I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious if we should, we should use that same logic with the fentanyl dealers. Look, oh, sure, they're, they're bringing in a product. It's bad, right? That, that's what the COVID jabs are. Oh, they're distributing a product and it's bad. It's killing and harming people. Fentanyl kills and harms people. But they're not forcing anybody to take it. Right? I mean, I thought that, that had, that's where we had settled on dangerous products going into the bodies of human beings that kills them. As long as they're not forced to take it, we're not supposed to ascribe any accountability. And I'd even go one better. I would imagine fentanyl dealers, unlike doctors health bureaucrats, and Donald Trump himself, I bet fentanyl dealers probably don't go around telling people, hey, you got to take this fentanyl. It'll save your life. It's great for you. You need to put this fentanyl into your children. They probably don't say those things. So I'm just saying, I kind of thought, <laughs> I kind of thought we had changed what our litmus test was for a deadly product. As long as you're not forced to take it, we're supposed to just ignore it. See, I don't ignore that. I don't ignore anybody who says that they pressured the FDA to come out with an experimental product, then takes credit for saving tens of millions of lives. And that's exactly what Donald Trump and Operation Warp Speed is. And one of the reasons that I will oppose him for the rest of 2024, and I would imagine uh, going forward. I uh, got another clip from Trump, too, with a weird statistic after it. I think a lot of people will be shocked to hear this next one. I'll do that when I come back. Stick around. All right, final segment here. I, I got to play this. I didn't even have it on today's show notes, but I, I wanted to play this. This this I found astounding when it comes to Donald Trump and why people give him a pass for this. This was just a couple... See, because the, the thing that people are telling me is that, Mike, you might be disappointed, and yeah, he missed a few things when he was there, and yeah, he hired a bunch of people, but he's learned. Now, I'll ask about COVID. Well, what about 2020? Well, he was duped, but he's learned. Has he? This is an interview that Trump did just a few days ago. And I want you to hear what he says about the year 2020 and the federal government response to COVID. I think we did a fantastic job on COVID. Uh, nobody knew. You know, I've been given tremendous credit for the economy, for the military, for foreign policy. The one thing I've never been given credit for was the job we did on COVID. We did a fantastic job with all of the uh, all of the medicines and all, if you look at Regeneron, all of the things that we did, we did a fantastic job. 
have never been given the credit for that. And basically, I allowed the governors to do their states. And people like Henry McMaster, who was here yesterday, who, by the way, endorsed me, you know, he's the governor of South Carolina. Almost every politician in South Carolina endorsed me, which is a little bit tough for Nikki. How many of you out there in 2024 think the government did a great job on COVID? I mean, is there a single listener to this show? Because this is a weird one because the left probably thinks we didn't do enough, so they're not happy. And most of the people that I know who are Trump supporters or conservatives or Republicans realize that 2020 was one of the worst years for American freedom and government overreach that we have ever as a country lived under, save maybe the Civil War. And this is a couple of days ago. Donald Trump wants credit. He wants credit for the way the government handled COVID. See, I, I, I can't ignore these things. I can't. I, I just can't. I'm mystified. It's the, the, these are the times I wish I had a two or three hour show where I could take calls because I want somebody to explain it to me. Uh, anyway, I've got one more clip here. And then I'm going to give you a, a pretty bizarre statistic. I was surprised by it. I think you will be surprised by it. But this is another one of the big promises of a new Trump administration. We can give you this is the last speech. Think of it. It's a little sad, but we'll be back a lot because we're going to get your energy prices down. You know, we're going to get you energy down by, I, I would say, I would say a solid 50 percent within one year. I promise. So he just promised the people of New Hampshire that he's going to reduce their energy prices by 50% in New Hampshire within one year. He said, I promise. Now, you know, I don't know how one person does that. I will say that it seems that on energy policy, Donald Trump was better. One of the things that's coming out of his campaign is drill, baby, drill. I hear a lot of people who introduce him. I hear a lot of conservatives that are talking about Donald Trump comes back in. We're just going to drill, baby, drill, right? Listen to the statistic, and this is from oilprice.com. Now, look, first of all, don't be, nobody out there be mistaken and think that I think Joe Biden has done uh, a single good thing in his presidency. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's a couple of things that maybe I didn't really hate. And I think even on those, he backtracked on them almost immediately. But basically, Joe Biden is the worst person to ever serve uh, as president of the United States. Most mentally incompetent, extremely corrupt. I was going to say most corrupt, but we, you know, we've had eight years of a Clinton and uh, 12 years of Bushes in there. So I don't know if he's the most corrupt ever, but Joe Biden is a train wreck. I, I disapprove of everything he's done, but this was kind of interesting. This is from oilprice.com. Last year, U.S. crude oil production broke another record. This is from the oilprice.com story. This in itself is not exactly news. The shale oil industry has been breaking records for breakfast for years, but that was before the pandemic. U.S. oil production has increased 21% over the past five years, according to data from the Energy Information uh, Administration. Earlier this month, U.S. oil producers set a new annual production record. Huh. I mean, that's a little odd, isn't it, wouldn't you think? But, you know... Again, I don't want any of the mental midgets out there thinking I'm giving Biden any credit for this, but it, it's happened. 
And, and the reason that this happens is the same. It's, it, it's the same con we always fall for. Joe Biden is bought and paid for by the energy companies, just like the Republicans. Just like all of the politicians. Look, oil and gas makes a ton of money. They give a lot of money. And they've corrupted our Congress. I am all for oil and gas. I've talked about it endlessly. What a miracle it is that we discovered it and harnessed it and the great it does in our world. But these are big corporate interests with huge profits at stake, and they've bought our Congress just like pharmaceutical companies and weapons manufacturers. So Joe Biden is bought and paid for by energy, too. He just goes out and talks a big game to his tribe. Wouldn't you think the oil companies are being stopped from drilling anywhere? Because the Democrats pretend they oppose oil, all while taking money from them and just under the surface, they're letting them drill. They just set an annual production record. It's up 21% since one of Trump's last years in office, where I would assume we all thought that they were drilling baby drill back then. And this is the same game the Republicans, when they pretend they're against Obamacare, that benefited the health insurance companies, while they were taking money from the health insurance industry so that they wouldn't end it. Am, am I the first person to explain this game to people? Are you just hearing this for the first time? And so this is what it is. We, they have been drilling baby drill. It's just that the Biden rhetoric to please and placate his nut job supporters out there, he needs to make it seem like he's standing in the way of big oil. All the while, he's taking money and, and greasing the skids for him. The Republicans try to pretend they're standing in the way of Obamacare, all the while taking money from the people who benefit from Obamacare and then just letting it stay as law of the land. This is the game. It always has been. It always will be. I just thought that was a pretty interesting statistic. Uh, we'll see if Trump can deliver on cutting energy prices in half by a year. He said he promises. That's all the time I got. Have a great one. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.